Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're here to serve you in any way that we can. For more information about our resources or our church, you can check out hope at crossroads.org. Online, you can find access to other resources like devotionals and study books. Thanks again for joining us. And now let's start this week's message. Amen. It's good morning. It's good to see you. Do you know your love by the Father this morning? Nothing you can do, nothing you cannot do. He loves you, just like you are. Now, before you punch your neighbor and go, ooh, you need to change, because, yeah, he, he loves us, and he wants to change us, but he loves us like, just like we are. If you've got your Bible, if you will open to Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 1. This morning, we're going to start a new uh, series in the book of Daniel. And uh, while you're turning there, I will just tell our incredible media team, I'm going to have a lot to say before we even get to the points that are in your bulletin uh, on your handout uh, to share with you, Uh, but I'm going to jump right in because there's a lot here in this first chapter. We were praying together with the worship team this morning, and uh, several people had different things to say about the book of Daniel, and if we actually did it justice, we could probably be in chapter one for about six months. But I know some of us would kind of fade into oblivion, so I promise you we're not going to do that. But I would encourage you to uh, read this on your own because there is much, much here. The book of Daniel opens in about 605 B.C., so 605 years before Christ. If you are a historian uh, and you like history, you will know that during this time there were things like in uh, Mexico, the Mayan civilization was flourishing about this time. Uh, The art of the Greeks was excelling. Those are some of the things that were going on in the world, on the planet at this time. And we find ourselves at the same point in history. uh, We find out about a king. So we're going to pick up and just start reading. And as you know me by now, I'm going to have to stop along the way a couple of times. Well, maybe more than a couple of times. But let's let's see how far we get. Verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim... King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So get in your mind what's happening here. The city of Jerusalem is getting taken over. Verse 2, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Everything is moving from one kingdom into another kingdom because Jerusalem is being taken over. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the people that we're reading about because if you're like me, sometimes I have to be reminded of the history of these people. And Jehoiakim was one of the sons of King Josiah. Josiah was his father. Josiah was a very godly man. You can read about Josiah in the book of Chronicles, First Chronicles. And uh, Josiah had Jehoiakim when he was uh, 18 years old. He birthed Jehoiakim. Or well, he didn't. His, his wife did. Just making sure you're paying attention. Because I know in culture I could say things like that and everybody would just go, Oh, of course he did because men can have babies now. No, they cannot. I know that's a controversial statement right out of the gate. But anyway, we'll move along. We'll move along. So his grandfather Manasseh was one of the kings blamed for turning people away from worshiping God. Josiah's 
great-grandfather was King Hezekiah. So you maybe hopefully you're getting in your mind's eye the history. You've got Hezekiah back there. You've got uh, Manasseh. You have Josiah. And King Hezekiah was a noted uh, person, very respectful of the Lord. Biblical writers say about him he wanted to do what was right in the sight of the Lord. And the second book of Chronicles tells us that Josiah, Jehoiakim's dad, Josiah, uh, became king when he was eight years old. So this is the history of Jehoiakim, okay, that we're talking about. And his father, Josiah, when he was in his eighth year reign, when he was 16, the Bible tells us he began to seek after his father, David. When he was 20, so many people were worshiping false gods that Josiah, his father, would destroy the images that they had built, the false altars they had built all throughout Jerusalem and Judah. This was Jehoiakim's dad that did this. Now you need to know that. Because what we're getting ready to read about Jehoiakim, and when you know your history of Jehoiakim, you might wonder, what happened? How could Jehoiakim begin to stray away with that kind of background, especially from his father? I'll just throw this in along the way this morning. Your kids, my kids, your grandkids. By the way, happy Grandparents Day. If you're a grandparent, wave your hand in the air. Maybe some of you know I treat, are treated like grandparents. You have adopted. I know we have some. Yeah, I know, I know. Happy Grandparents Day. If you have kids, grandkids, kid, you're a kid influencer, you can model godly behavior for your kids all day long. And unfortunately, I have some... News for you, unfortunately. That does not mean they are going to follow after God. Some of you are maybe experiencing that. I claim that verse, even though my kids seem to be following God right now, I claim the verse, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some of, some of them may be in that wandering wilderness right now, and you're praying that they... Come back to the Lord. Jehoiakim was in that wandering wilderness spiritually because he had turned his back on the Lord. As a matter of fact, you'll find out if you look in the book of Jeremiah, he had wasted state funds. He had embezzled government funds and wasted them on building a new residence for himself. So if you look at what's going on in our world politically and in our government right now, and you think, boy, they must have had it together at some point in history. It's really gotten bad now. Newsflash, there's always been corrupt people on the planet. Since the fall of man in the book of Genesis. And so Jehoiakim had embezzled this money. And Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, knew about this. He publicly criticized Jehoiakim for for not doing what God would have him to do. He insisted that he repent. And yet Jehoiakim still turned his back on God. You can read this in Jeremiah 22 all the way up through Jeremiah 36. About the things that Jeremiah said about Jehoiakim. He said things like this. He's going to be buried and have the burial and funeral of a donkey. He's going to be dragged and cast out beyond the gates of Jerusalem. His dead body will be thrown out into the heat. That was his prophesying about Jehoiakim because he knew he was not following after God. Let me just stop and say this, church, to you. Leadership is important. Leadership is important. He was in a spot where, quite honestly, he had the position of leadership as a king, 
But he was abandoning his position. I don't know about you, but I, I wrote down, as you know by now, this question for me. Am I at my position? Can I say this to us, church family? We have a lot of us in here who are leaders. Are you at your post? Are you neglecting your post, your duty that God has called you to? Because what happens if you do is what we're going to read here. When leaders don't stay at their position, some crazy things happen. And I will just tell you, as a 50-plus-year-old man, I want to apologize to our young people here because what has happened over history is the church, maybe not us, maybe not Crossroads, maybe not you, maybe not me, but historically, the church has relinquished our position in our place on things like politics and the arts and we have allowed the world to step in and take those things over and then we stand back and we wonder what happened what happened was the post was abandoned that's what happened and that's what we see here in this story of Daniel Daniel chapter one you may say why in the world would God let this happen because God by the way did let this happen we see in verse 2, it says, The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. And he allowed this to happen. If you go back and look in the uh, book of Leviticus, everything that I just shared with you about Jehoiakim's background, God allowed it to happen because Jehoiakim was disobedient. He was not following God. And God can try to get the attention of people time and time again. And when he gets to a point where he says they're not going to listen, then he lets us over to our own, the New Testament tells us this, to our own lust and desires, and we suffer the penalty thereof. In the midst of this context, in the midst of this crazy time in history, a teenager shows up on the scene. I love this. Because you may feel like you, if you're a young person in here, you, you can't do a whole lot for God. You need to read the book of Daniel. Because a teenager changed the course of history. Daniel shows up on the scene and we find out in verse 3, here's what happens. The king orders Ashpenaz, there's a great name. Any of you that are getting ready to have a baby, if you're looking for a baby name, there you go. Ashpenaz, the chief of officials, he summons him to bring in the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and the nobles. Youths in whom were no defect, they were good-looking, they showed intelligence in every branch of wisdom, they were endowed with understanding, they had discernment, knowledge, and they had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him, Ashpenaz, to teach these guys the literature and language of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's food from which the, and the wine from which they drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they would enter the king's personal service. Let me stop right there. The king is calling out his official to go and find these guys, and he gives them some qualifications that he's looking for. No defect, good-looking, intelligent. The list goes on right there in verses, verse 4. Here was his objective. His objective was to find some young people that he could begin to indoctrinate or change their way of thinking into the king's way of thinking. Let me just stop here and say this. The king basically wanted to take the shining light of the future of Jerusalem and twist them mentally into a new way of thinking, an ungodly way of thinking. Times have not changed. If you're older than 50, can I encourage you to do some research on what is happening 
in the United States of America with its deliberate attack on our young people. You may be out of the loop. I sometimes am out of the loop and I have to get online or turn on the TV, unfortunately, just to be reminded of some of the things that the culture is trying to push against our young people. Praise God there is a church that believes so much in young people that we are putting our money where our faith is to put a building out here to reach more young people because the world is sparing no expense to reach our kids. I wrote in this morning that listening to the news, scanning the radio, and hearing about now lawsuits are coming because if you misgender someone, if you call them by the wrong pronoun, you're going to be put in jail potentially. If you, if you kind of went, what? You're, you're not keeping your head into what's happening in the culture. Folks, it's coming. Are, are, you, are you hearing me this morning? It's coming to our doorstep. Don't think it's not going to affect the Bible Belt and Greer and Simpsonville Fountain in South Carolina. It is come, Actually, it's already here. So what's going to be our response? Are we going to relinquish our post and just say, devil, have your way? That's not, by the way, what Daniel does. I'm encouraged by what I read here because this was a young kid that was a young man that was ready to step up and make a difference. And so... The official has some rules that have been passed down, actually a dictate that has been passed down from the king of what he's supposed to do with these guys. And Ashpenaz finds some young men, verse 6, he finds these young men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. It's interesting, I don't know about you, if you grew up in church, I grew up in church, and I went to this thing called Vacation Bible School, which, by the way, we have here at Crossroads. And I never, when I grew up, I never knew those guys by the three extra guys other than Daniel. I never knew them by those names that I just mentioned to you. Did you? I knew them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Isn't it interesting? That's not their God-given name. He tells us in verse 7 about those names that God had given them. The commander actually changed their names. Daniel actually meant God is my judge. And his name was changed to Belshazzar, which means Bel's prince. B-E-L, Bel's prince. Another one of the, the false gods that Nebuchadnezzar and his entourage worshipped. Hananiah meant beloved by the Lord, but his name was changed to Shadrach, which means I'm illumined by the sun god. Mishael meant, his name meant who is as God, and his name was changed to Meshach, which means who is like Venus. Azariah, his name meant the Lord is my help, and his name was changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nego. Isn't it interesting how one of the foundational things that they wanted to do was to change the names of these guys? By the way, that tactic has not changed at all. That's still a tactic of the enemy. The world is starting to change the names, has been changing the names of people, so that it's more palatable for us to swallow. I don't, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Anybody ever been, you been car shopping lately? When I used to go look for a car to buy, not a new car by the way, I would go and I would look for the used car lots. Have you noticed? They do not call them used cars anymore. Have you noticed this? They are pre-owned automobiles. They're not used. They're pre-owned automobiles. Some of us maybe they want to take a stand for 
for life, and we would maybe, maybe be called pro-life. The world says, you're not pro-life, you're anti-abortion. Some of us maybe who would say, you know, we believe in the biblical uh, model of what marriage is. It's between one man and one woman. The world would tell us, no, you're anti-gay. You, do you see how this is happening in our culture? This is nothing new. This has been going on for centuries. And the enemy wants to make us slowly char- start to change the meaning of things. Oh, it's really not that bad. It's just, it's just, it's just a word. It's just semantics. It's not really bad. It is very important when it comes to biblical things that the Bible defines as such and, the, and such. That's what it is. Just because we want to change what you call it doesn't change what it is. Sin is still sin according to the Bible, according to God. And being a leader, here Daniel is thrown into the midst of this. And you might say, as I do when I read this context of what's happening, what in the world would biblical scholars think he was probably 15 years old? What would a 15-year-old do if he was faced with this? It would be like, there's no analogy I could give you because I'd love to give you, a, you know, an analogy like if one of our national leaders walked into the room, but most of us would chuckle because they're not even in a... In a They have the position, but they're not even modeling leadership. It would almost be if some huge dignitary that we did respect or we did think had status and position walked into a setting and said, this is what you're going to do. And a teenager looks at them and kind of says, no, not exactly. And we're going to find out his reaction. Though he did not agree with what the king had been handed down, he was respectful in his reply. So the purpose here that's going on is a total indoctrination by the king of these young guys that are coming up that he has found, his official has found, so that they will look to him for everything. And Daniel and his friends refused to do that, basically saying, we're not going to look to you, we're not going to look to an earthly human being, we're going to look to the God of all creation for everything that we need. So let's see what happened. Verse 8, it says, Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile the king. He would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. He sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Here's the first, first point if you are going to be like Daniel and you're going to follow that kind of model of leadership and have crazy faith. The first thing you've got to know is sometimes you're going to step out against the status quo. When you step out in that kind of faith, you will always, it will always lead you to go against the status quo. And here he is. So he seeks permission not to do this. And gratefully, by the way, it says that he would not defile himself. Several people uh, over the last week that I've been telling them what we're studying have said, what, why, do you think, why do you think that was? What happened? Well, if you do the research and you know what he means by not defile himself, more than that, by the way, this was a king's order. There was to be no exception. This is the king who's made this order. And the Bible tells us in verse 8, Daniel did two things. He made up his mind, some translations say, purposed in his heart that he would not defile or pollute himself with the king. To be defiled means to be unfit. It refers to food that is unfit. And more than likely, 
what has happened here is this food has been offered to idols. And so Daniel's rebellion, in a sense, of going against the king is basically saying, I am not going to allow something that's been sacrificed to idols, to the ungodly, to go into me. Oh, that we have that kind of conviction as a believer in North America now, because a lot of us allow things to go in us. It's not of God. And it defiles us just like he was concerned that it would, he, it would defile him. He carried out the same principles, if you remember, that Paul talked about to the church at Corinth when he talked about how to partake of things that were offered to idols. So Daniel purposed in his heart this was not going to happen. One of the interesting lessons that one of the commentators I read this week uh, spoke to me, that really spoke to me, was this. Here's what he said. The great lesson from this incident is that Daniel's faith was relegated, regulated, excuse me, to the smallest details of his life. That he had set his foot down in what seemed like a small matter and said, No, I will dare not do this, as little as it may be and as pleasant as it might be to have the king's food, because thereby I will be mixed up in a practical denial of my God. Small, maybe, but a big impact. And here's what has happened in our culture. Again, the enemy's tactics are no different now than they were many, many centuries ago. When we compromise on the small things, it gets easier and easier to compromise on the bigger things. And Daniel, a 15-year-old young man, knew that. This is one guy I cannot wait to hang out with in heaven. Because I got some questions for him. Because I was not that teenager that we're reading about. I wish I was. wish I had been. So it says he purposed in his heart and he determined, he made up his mind. What does determined mean? Here's the definition of being determined. Let me give it to you. Having determination is deciding how much you will give or how much you will give up in a situation. To remain resolute and on course. How much you will give or how much you will give up. That's determination, to stay on course. You know, when I was on a diet, which I need to be again, and I had to give up certain foods, it was tempting to not want to do that. So what did I have to do? If I really wanted to change physically, I had to be determined to do what I knew I needed to do to change things. And that's the same kind of determination that Daniel had to stay on course. To, to exercise that kind of faith, we have to be determined. So he requested, and if you look at that word, it says in some translations, my translation, New American Standard, says he sought permission, which basically means the quality of behaving in such a way with Ashpenaz to avoid causing offense and to have hopefully a favorable reaction. In other words, so you've heard it like this in the South, you can catch, what is it, you can catch more bees with honey than... Somebody help me out. What is it? You know what I'm talking about. Then being rude to somebody. Thank you, thank you. Honey and vinegar. Okay, honey and vinegar. Just mix it all up. You guys know what I'm saying. Be, be respectful to people. I remember traveling through the airport one time and there was this long, long line at a TGI Fridays. I think it may have been with one of our teams from the Dominican in the Miami airport. There's this huge line. We have a huge group. I'm thinking it's going to be two hours before we get a seat. So I nicely went up to the counter and just said, hey, we're coming back from a mission trip. We got a flight to catch. Can we? And she goes, 
you know what, there's not a, somebody back there, but I'll be happy to clean off that table and I'll wait on you. It was interesting, the reality, I was very nice about it, I could have gone, we're going to be standing here for two hours, y'all need to hire some more help, what's going on? And, but, and by the way, that's the tendency of our reaction in the culture as Christians, especially when it comes to restaurants, which is why wait staff hate Sundays. They see us coming. <laughs> Daniel had a great delivery, apparently. Because we read in verse 9 what happened. God granted Daniel favor and compassion. In the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I, I, I'm afraid of my lord the king. He's appointed your food and your drink. And if he sees that your faces are looking haggard, more haggard than the other youths who are your age, then he will take off my head. He will forfeit my head. And Daniel says to the overseer, the officials that have been appointed, he says in verse 12, test your servants then. How about test us for 10 days? Just give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. And at the end of the 10 days, verse 13, let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and then deal with us according to what you see. So Ashpenaz listened and said, okay, and he tested them for 10 days. For 10 days. At the end of the ten days, their appearance seemed better, verse 15, and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. The third thing that I see here about having the kind of faith of Daniel is you not only have to have determination, you have to have dedication. What's the difference? Determination is what you will give or what you'll give up in order to accomplish whatever God has called you to do. Dedication is different. Dedication is how long will you do it? Back to my little analogy about diet. You know, for, for three or four days, I was able to do fine. But as soon as somebody showed up with that fresh baked pound cake, I said, hallelujah, the Lord is going to set me free for just a second. And the world is great at doing the same thing. How long? The Bible tells us in verse 14 that the official listened to them and tested them for 10 days. But was it only 10 days? Let's keep reading. Verse 17, as for the four use, God gave them knowledge and intelligence, and every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Verse 18, Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the days the king had specified. How many days had the king specified? Not ten days. Three years. Ten days was the test. Ten days was the suggested test that Daniel asked Ashpenaz. Just let us do this for ten days. But ultimately, ten days rolled into. They did that for three years because that is what the king's prescription was. Talk about dedication. Their dedication to the task of honoring the Lord went beyond ten days. It went three years. And of course, visibly, their body started to... Respond, and God took care of them as He always promises to do when you obey Him. So I wrote down this question for me. Jack, is there a limit 
is there a limit to the lengths you will go to serve me? Lord, I, I feel like you're calling me to be a missionary, but don't send me to Africa. <laughs> Lord, I know you're telling me to do this, but don't do this. Lord, I feel like you're leading me over here, but i got to be honest, that's a challenging question for me. These guys gain tremendous knowledge during their three-year crash course. But you know what? Daniel gained something even more during that time. The Bible tells us in verse 17, they started to understand every branch of literature and they got all this wisdom. But during that time, Daniel also started to understand how to interpret dreams and visions. And if you'll hang with me over the next few weeks, maybe a few months, the next little while as we go through the book of Daniel, you'll find out what he learned right there in chapter 1, God brings back into the picture in chapter 2 and 3 and 4. And so sometimes we're going through some learning process and we're like, God, what in the world are you doing? Why are you doing this? I don't need this. I don't need this right now. What are you trying to teach me? And then lo and behold, as God always does because he's sovereign, sometime later down the road, you turn around and you go, oh my goodness, I know how to respond. I know how to deal with this because way back here, I learned some things along the way from God that are helping me right now at this point in time. God has a way of doing that. So what what happened? At the end of the days, the commander of the officials presents him to the to King Nebuchadnezzar and the king, verse 19, talks with them and realizes out of all of them, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. And as for every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, conjurers who were in his realm. And Daniel continued to serve until the first year of Cyrus the king. The last thing I'd say to us this morning that we can learn from this passage is when you follow after God, if you have that kind of faith, it's always going to lead you to a great destination. God gave him favor. He gave the guys around him favor. And the next thing they know, instead of possibly being killed by the king, they actually are in the king's personal service, which God is going to use in miraculous ways to bring about what he wants to happen. So how about you this morning? Just a few questions. Hopefully you've been asking these along the way as I have. How determined are you to follow the Lord's commands for your life? What luxuries maybe of life are you willing to forego in order to honor the Lord? What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to risk in order to do what God's called you to do? Are there there some limits that you've placed on God, Lord, you can, you can do this and this, but I'd rather you not do this. And you pray with me this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for Daniel and his modeling for us what it meant to take a stand for you. Respectfully, he did that in a culture that was pretty 
blatantly against you with a king that we're going to find out was not listening to you. And yet through a young teenager, with his response and obedience, you started to change the trajectory of that part of the world. Maybe there's a young teenager in here today, maybe an older teenager, maybe an older adult. That would say this morning, God, that's, that's our desire. That's my desire. Lord, don't allow me to get sucked into the culture, into the status quo. But help me to be so tuned in with you that my response is one of determination and dedication. Church family, as you're praying this morning, I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you today. Maybe it's been encouraging to know that there are people, and there are many of you in this room, that are like Daniel, that are standing up and saying, no, I'm going to take my place of leadership. I'm not going to abandon my post. I hope you're encouraged by that. Maybe there's some of us that need to return to our post and say, I, I need to stay right here because the future generation depends on it. I don't know how the Lord's spoken to you this morning. We're going to have in just a minute just a moment, Stephen's going to lead us in an invitation song, a closing song this morning. If you need to do business with the Lord, it may be that you just need to come to the front of this worship center and on the steps kneel and pray or at these chairs here kneel and pray or maybe you need to grab my hand or my friend Heath will be standing here, grab our hand and just say, here's what God said to me. Will you pray with me? We'd love to do that. Maybe this morning you've been visiting for some time and you're saying, you know what, I, I want to put my roots down right here with this body of believers called Crossroads to say, I, I want to grow here. I want to serve here. If that's you, your, the prayer of your family, then in just a moment, you just respond and do what the Lord leads you to do. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness to us. May we respond to your word this morning with obedience. Thank you for the example of Daniel. Thank you for his example to us. I pray you'd have your way during this invitation. Be honored in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? However the Lord's leading you this morning. Heath and I will be here to receive you, to pray with you, to encourage you. If you need to make some decision for Christ, do that as we sing together as Stephen leads us this morning. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're so glad that you joined us for the message today. If Pastor Jack or any of our team can serve you, please reach out to us. You can send us an email at jack at hope at crossroads.org or by visiting our website. We would be most grateful to know where you are listening because we have people all over the world listening to our podcast. You can send us a message through our website. We would appreciate your prayers for us as we are in the midst of a building campaign to reach more children and families in our local community in Greenville County, South Carolina. If you would like to help, you can always make your gift online at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads.